All right, Psalm 149, 149. If you're new or visiting, we've gone through the book of Psalms. We started the Psalms a little over two years ago. It's hard to believe. And this will be our final study, number 90, number 90. And if you are new or visiting, um, we do have the CDs on the rack over there. They're free. Feel free to take them or uh, pass them on to someone else. I'm having a hot flash, so i got to turn down the air. The air's not even on. What is going on? Unbelievable. If you're new or visiting Arizona, welcome. <laughs> I don't think this has happened in the uh, since 1976 when I moved here. I don't ever remember this happening. 43 years. No, would that be 53 years? Wow, I'm getting old. 53 years ago. Does anybody remember a spring like this? So if you're newer visiting, welcome. It's going to get really hot really quick. <laughs> but hey, it's closest to hell wherever it be. Jim, could you do me a favor and on this side just bump those airs down one degree? So if you're, again, if you're newer visiting, this is the cool side. We try to keep the north side of the sanctuary cooler than the south side. So if you like heat, you want to sit on this side. If you like it cool, you should sit on this side. If you're not sure what you like, sit in the middle and it should be okay. Father, we just thank you for this morning and we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we get to go verse by verse through your word and and learn so many principles, Lord, so many principles. These songs that we have been studying for the last two years, <laughs> 2,000 years old, 2,500 years old, 1,500 years old, I mean, what am I saying? 3,000 years old, 3,500 years old, 2,500 years old, and they are still applicable today. Father, we thank you that your word is relevant. Even though the world would try to dismiss it, it is so relevant as we see Persia and Russia and China coming together to make an alliance. Father, we thank you for that. For your word will be fulfilled. Everything in your word will be fulfilled. And Jesus is coming back for his bride. So we thank you for the days we're living in, Lord. Give us wisdom and discernment as we wrap up the Psalms here. Father, we pray for our minds right now. What, Whatever this past week has held, Lord, help us to lay that aside, to lay it at your throne. Help us take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that we might focus on these last two psalms right now and how they can transform our lives. Father, we don't need another Bible study. We need heart transformation. So I pray for the gift of teaching and that you'll be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, as I've already mentioned, you know, we've learned many biblical principles through these songs. And if you're newer visiting, the Psalms are songs. And yes, those principles are still applicable today. And I think one of the most important ones, and we've seen it the last two weeks, is the Psalms have taught us to praise the Lord no matter what happens in this life. And that's hard. And that takes maturity. It really does take maturity. It takes years. It takes being in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. 
Not just picking and choosing a verse here or there, hoping it'll get you through, but learning the Bible. Knowing all of it, you'll never know all of it. It's impossible. God inspired it. But at least getting it in your mind, in your brain, so the Holy Spirit has something to work with down here in what's called the soul or your heart. The Bible refers to it as your heart. And as the Word of God, even those things you don't understand now, as you continue to read weeks and months and, and even years later, you've read that verse maybe 20 times or 30 times and all of a sudden you go, Oh, I get it. Wow, that makes perfect sense. That's because you have invested all of those years and your maturity level has grown little by little by little and then boom, God gave it to you and now you understand it. You're never going to understand it all. And so many people will tell me, well, you know, I don't understand it so I don't read it. That's a lame excuse. I don't understand it. Don't let any pastors convince you that they do understand it all because they don't. If they did, that would make them God. It's impossible. No one understands it all. That's irrelevant. We continue to read so that what we do understand, we can apply to our lives. That's the most important reason why we read. Application. You see, many of the Psalms have taught us to praise the Lord. Why is that? Because God has all things under control. Do you really believe that? That's that's really important for you and I. It's easy to say. When the, when everything's going great, the mortgage is paid, the car is covered, everything, you know, everything's great. Oh, God's got it all under control. And then something maybe devastating comes into your life, like cancer or the death of a loved one or a car accident or a fire at the house. And then all of a sudden, where's God? God's on his throne. God has all things under control for the believer. And so we want to keep that ingrained into our minds. You see, we might not like what's happening. We might be stressed out over what's happening. This past week, this happened to me. I, was, I, I don't have too many stressful weeks because I just most, let most of the stuff flow off my back. But it was a very stressful week. And I just have to, you know, God, you got a plan. God, you got a plan. I just kept moving. God, you got a plan. We might even be confused over what's happening. But we must never forget that God is a plan and he will work all things for our good as we submit. There's that. Did a wedding yesterday. As we submit. And most people have no idea what that word means. Because the world is telling you in a negative way what submit means. And women, don't you submit to anybody. Nonsense. Nonsense. As you read in the scriptures... Christ is our head as far as the male and the female. We, male and female, submit to Christ. Every male and every female submits to Christ. If you don't, you've got an issue, not God. We submit to Christ. And as Jesus submitted to the Father, Father, not my will, but your will be done. As the Holy Spirit submits to the Son and the Father, even though they are co-equal, and there's never a second where God looks at his Son and says, you know, I never thought about that. That never happens. They are co-equal, but it gives us that picture of order. And that's why we have order in the family unit where the wife submits to the husband. She's co-equal. The the scriptures teach this. She's co-equal in Christ. But there has to be order. Else you will end up with chaos. And God is not the author of confusion. So we must submit to his will in our lives. And as we do, we will find out that he's a good God. That is a fact, and it is a biblical principle. 
So, as we finish up the Psalms, I pray that we allow the Holy Spirit, because it, because it can only be the Holy Spirit, to solidify those principles we've covered over the last few years. And if you're new or visiting and you haven't been here, don't worry. We're going into the book of Acts next. And we're going to cover more biblical principles that are applicable to today. We're not studying ancient history for the sake of ancient history. We're studying the Bible so we can learn principles that are applicable to today. You see, if we don't apply what we've learned, and this is key, young people, if you don't apply what you've learned, if as us adults, if we don't apply what we've learned, then we're really wasting our time. And I don't think any one of us in this room right now really want to do this. I don't believe anybody here wants to do that. I got nothing better to do. No. No, there's lots of things you could be doing. So I know you're not here to waste your time. I know that. But at the same time, if we learn a principle, it's confirmed via the word of God, and we don't apply it to our lives, then we are wasting our time. We just heard some words. Well, that made me feel good. What's for lunch? We've wasted our time. So it's really important as you're young or as if you're in your 70s or 80s, we're, we're, until you take your last breath, you're not done. That we learn the word of God and apply the word of God. And that takes, again, that S word, surrender. Surrendering our will to our Father's heavenly will. You see, as we continue to do that, we will mature. Absolutely. And he will receive the glory due his holy name. So Psalm 149, verse 1, that familiar phrase that we've seen in the last three psalms, starting and stopping, each psalm. Praise the Lord. Alleluia. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Notice that. Sing to the Lord a new song and praise and his praise in the assembly of the saints. You see, once again, we see a biblical principle that has taken a hit over the last decade or so. Overall, church attendance is down and current statistics tell us that every year, these are current statistics, that every year more than 4,000 churches in America, just in America, 4,000 churches closed their doors compared to just over 1,000 new church startups. So you can do the simple math. 3,000 churches in America are closing their doors and not reopening. How does that affect a neighborhood? How does that affect a city? How does that affect a state? How is that affecting our whole nation? Again, I mentioned to you about the Equality Act. Do some homework. Do your research. I was just told this morning that it passed the Senate. Guys, you got to wake up. If this goes through, I'm going to have a prison ministry. And if you take a stand for Jesus, you're going to have a prison ministry. This is not an equality act. This is an act anti-Christian act when you read it. If you're a believer, you believe in the word of God, you love all people because we do love all people. We don't hate anybody no matter what who they are. But if you talk about the Bible and you teach the Word of God the way the Word of God teaches, that marriage is between one man, one woman, biological man, biological woman, you take that stand and you proclaim that in your schools or in your job or in the marketplace and in your neighborhood, 
you will be in serious trouble with the government because of the Equality Act. The Equality Act. Guys, you've got to be aware of what's going on. Also, 42 to 50% of all churches in America have a congregation of between 100 and 300 members. And that's including children, men, women, and children. And 20% of American churches have fewer than 100 members. Here's another interesting stat. And I think this is one of the most practical ones for us here today. Is that over 70% of those who were asked questions and they identified themselves as unbelievers due to the questions asked, listen to this, they have never personally been asked to attend a church service. Over 70% of those people that maybe are in your workplace, that you've talked to, you know they're an unbeliever, they know you're a believer, but they've never personally been asked, hey, would you come to church with me? Would you come to church with me? Over 70%. Because again, as we read this, we go, but I'm, I'm here. And you're here. This doesn't apply to us. In a sense, you're right. It doesn't. You're obviously here. But there are those out there who need to know that God loves them and that we would like them to join us in worshiping Jesus. Again, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. They need to see that there is value in gathering together to learn about the creator of the universe. And a part of that gathering is what we call the music portion of the service. It's it's not so that you can come in late. It's, It's not, you know, filler time. It's where we praise the Lord together, lifting our voices in unity, surrendering our lives and asking the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts. That's what the music is for. Now, you might not realize that. You might not believe that. But that is what we've been studying in the book of Psalms or songs. That's what singing is for. That's what singing is for. You see, for the believer, it's really important to remember. So I have a question here, a couple questions. If there was an unbeliever sitting behind you, now if you're in the back row, this, you know, the usher's behind you. If there was an unbeliever sitting behind you, watching how you express your praise to the Lord, your praise, nobody else's, Your praise. Would it have a negative or a positive impact on their lives? And you don't have to answer. This is between you and the Lord. Just think about that. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Would an unbelief, would that have a positive or negative impact? as you're maybe on your phone checking out the final scores of the finals. Or maybe you're reading the bulletin, like you're not going to have the rest of the week to read the bulletin. You're reading it during the singing time. That's making a statement. It's making various statements. First of all, it's making a statement about you, that I really don't care about this portion of the service, but I don't want to show up late because people might think that I don't care, which I really don't care, but I don't want anybody to think then or know that I don't care. So, But I really don't care. That is making a statement. Second statement, 
There's no value. And that's why I don't care. There's no value. You see, what we place value in, we invest. You like your car? You invest in your car. My neighbor was working on his boat yesterday. You see, when you go to the lake, you don't decide to work on your boat when you get to the lake. You have a value in the boat, so you work on your boat before you get to the lake. So when you get to the lake, you know it's going to fire up and you're going to have a great time at the lake. So you invest in the boat and you invest in the trailer and you invest in the truck and you invest in all this stuff, the skis. Everything, you invest, invest, invest. You see, what we value, we invest in. That's a principle that I'm sharing with you. And that's reality. Whatever hobby you have, if you value that hobby, you're going to invest in that hobby. If you enjoy a relationship, you value that relationship. Why are so many marriages going down the toilet? Because they don't value their mate. They don't value their mate. We got to value our mates. As we value our mates, we pour into our mates. And all of a sudden we find that our marriages start to flourish and blossom. And we get a return on that value. It's very simple, guys, but many of us don't think about it. It's, it's a thought to ponder. You see, people are watching. And we never know. You don't know. I don't know if there's an unbeliever present. In a room this size, I know as a pastor for doing this so many years, I can guarantee you there's at least one unbeliever in this room this morning. I know that. That's just reality. So am I going to change the word? Am I going to change my approach? Am I going to change, change, change? No. I'm just going to teach the Bible because that unbeliever needs to know there's a heaven, there's a hell. God loves them. God sent his son to die for them. If you don't receive Jesus as your savior today as an unbeliever, you're going to hell. That's just what the Bible teaches. I don't want to love you to heaven. I want to save you from hell if you're an unbeliever here this morning. And so, guys, we have that same role. It's just not the pastor. Again, another question. Would our actions help draw that person to the throne of God? With that unbeliever sitting there going, man, I don't know what's so big deal about this guy. Look at this person. They could care less. Guys, people think that. In our workplace, they think that. When we steal company time or when we steal company material, they think that as well. See, we don't like being under a microscope, but we are. Especially in the days we're living in when it's so black and white. It is so black and white. Who is for God and who is not? You're under a microscope. Just know that. That means you have to step up. That means I have to remain focused for the kingdom of God. So the psalmist says, praise the Lord with a new song. Praise him with your fellow saints. And you are here. And I just want to encourage you. How are you doing with that? Are you really participating? Verses 2 through 4. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the tremble and harp. And I actually have verse 4 highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight your Bibles. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he will beautify the humble with salvation, with salvation. Again, I think this is something that very few saints grasp. 
if this is King David, we don't know who wrote this, but if this is King David, this is 3,000 years old. It's at least 2,400 years old because it was incorporated into hymnal 5 of the book of Psalms. And so 2,400 years, at least 2,400 years ago, the Lord inspired someone to write, hey, I take pleasure in my sons, in my daughters. I take pleasure in them. And I am going to save them because they are humble enough to acknowledge I'm a sinner. If you're an unbeliever here this morning, this is what we've all done as believers. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so I'm going to receive Jesus as my savior. I'm going to acknowledge that the cross fulfills what I cannot. You see, it's just, it's incredible that God takes pleasure in hearing his kids lift up their voices in praise. Because as you look at this in context of these verses, that's what's going on here. And somebody might say, well, I don't sing very well. That, that's okay. People won't sit around you. That, you know, you have a lot of banking chairs around you. I've actually seen this happen. <laughs> but I'll tell you, that person belted it out for Jesus. Nobody could say that that person did not belt it out for Jesus. They belted it out for Jesus. And I'm not kidding. Three, two or three rows in front of them. Nobody sat in front of them. It was, it was loud. It was bad. But she loved Jesus. So what are you going to say? Praise God. It's exciting. Praise God. So again, a simple question. Do I take pleasure in lifting up my voice? Do I take pleasure in lifting up my voice? You might think again, well, I don't sing very well. I like sports. I like yelling at the TV. You see, we'll lift up our voice with no hesitation for our favorite sporting team or for our favorite actor or for our favorite child or for our favorite you fill in the blank. We lift up our voices. But I think most unbelievers would wonder, what's the point of this music time in their lives? If they compared, here's the, here's the idea, if they compared our church voices to those other favorite things that we cheer for. If they compared the two, what would they think? It's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Because this is real. This Christianity is real. What would they think? Well, I don't care what they think. No, you do. You do. Because God cares. Because we're coming to praise God. Not praise the worship team. We're coming to praise God. The one who first loved us. And we should care. We should care how that comes across and how that comes out. Again, it's just something to think and pray about as we're going verse by verse through the Psalms here. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. In verse 5 through 9, let the saints, so if you're a believer here this morning, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you're a saint, you're not an ain't, you're a saint. If you want to become a saint from an ain't, receive Jesus and you'll be saved. You become a saint. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor have all 
his saints. This honor have all his saints. Now, as we read these verses, it seems very strange to us. But again, we want to remember in context what is going on. Israel has always been a favorite target of their enemies and still is today, physical as well as spiritual. But the psalmist here is remembering the victories that Israel has had and encourages the reader to sing even into the night. Even into the night. And this is a wonderful biblical principle that we should be implementing into our lives on a regular basis. You see, when we sing praises to our God, especially during the night, and again, if you're new to the faith, you're not going to understand this, but if you've got any time in the Bible, you're going to understand this. Hopefully you understand this already. Our spiritual enemy will flee, for he hates to hear our praise. And our spiritual enemy is Satan, Lucifer, devil, fallen angels, to to the one whom he used to praise. There's no question in eternity past that Lucifer used to praise God. And it's even believed, and I personally believe, that he was the choir director, as you read the scriptures. He was the lead singer. And when you listen to the music we have in the last 50, 60 years, the trash that's being promoted in our culture, I could say, yes, amen, he must have been, because this is just total trash. Total trash. So guys, we have to be careful what we listen to, but also get into that habit of singing even in the evening. You see, the believer has the word of God in their lives, which is sharper than any two-edged sword according to the word of God. Use that sword for what it's intended for, to defeat the one who desires to deceive us. And I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes my brain goes to the weirdest places. And I start thinking the weirdest thoughts. It's like, <laughs> whoa, what? no, don't want to go there. So you got to take every thought captive. And one thing that I found in my life that helps me is sing. Just to, in my brain, just start singing a song, singing a song, singing a song. So it's, it's all about habits, guys. It's developing those healthy habits that when something comes into your life, you instantly know what to do. You instantly realize this is of the devil. I shouldn't have this thought. Totally bizarre. It's never going to happen. So it's obviously from the pit of hell. So I'm going to take that thought captive and I'm going to start singing. The enemy has to flee. And so how does the psalmist end the psalm? Praise the Lord. Psalm 150. How does the psalmist start it? Praise the Lord. Man, this is getting kind of old, isn't it? No, no, no. It's never getting old. No matter what comes into your day, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. You see, this is a psalm that would drive some churches absolutely crazy as we read through this psalm. You see, the list of musical instruments is quite impressive. And again, some Bible-believing churches, again, under the banner of Christianity, do not allow some of these instruments to be even played in their churches. Some of these instruments are from hell. They're from the demons. I don't understand that, especially in light of this psalm. And if you've been doing the daily reading, if you're doing that, the church, if you're doing some other daily reading, fine. But if you're in the daily reading church, or if you're in the daily reading that the church has, 
you're going to see in Chronicles, in today's reading, that they're playing these instruments and glorifying God. David, 3,000 years ago. It's still relevant to today. But it comes down to religion versus relationship. You see, we can praise God just by using our voices. And I've told many of you this, but maybe there's one person here. We visited Egypt, I think it's probably about 10 years ago. We went into the, the backwoods. We didn't do the tour, tourism thing. We went for missionary for two weeks. They didn't have instruments. They had their voices. And they would belt it out. For 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, we would sing. We didn't know what they were singing, but we would sing anyways. We would just sing whatever we could sing. No instruments. It's called a cappella. So we can do that. Or you could do one, you know, just one guitar. Totally appropriate. Nothing wrong with that. We could have a whole orchestra. I've seen on TV some churches that they literally have a whole orchestra. I mean, that's their style. Nothing wrong with that. You don't condemn it. Great. They have a whole orchestra. There's, there's nothing wrong with it, bottom line. It's the church setting. It's what goes with whatever church that goes with the pastor. You see, it's all about the heart. And this psalmist desires his readers to go all out and to praise the Lord with all of the various instruments that he's listed here. And in verse 1, again, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament. Notice two things there. I think the first part of this verse is speaking to the believers of this earth. Praise God in his sanctuary. So for us, that would be praise God in the building. I don't want to call it church because you're the church, but... We call this the church, but you're the church. So praise him in the building or our sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament or the heavens. The heavens. So there would be the second part for those who are in heaven. Praise the Lord in what we would call the earthly tabernacle, but also praise him in the throne room. Now we know, we know that this is going to automatically happen when we get to heaven. We're not going to have to encourage each other. Would you praise God? He's watching. We're not going to have to do that. Because we're going to see God face to face. We're going to see Jesus. And Jesus is the only one in heaven that is going to have any earthly marks. In his wrist, in his side, and in his ankles. He's the only handicapped person in all of heaven. Which is not a handicap. It's to us to remember why he came to this earth. Do you think anybody's going to have a hard time praising Jesus? It's going to flow, flow, flow for all of eternity. Every time you look at him, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for welcoming me into heaven. 1,500, 1500 miles square, 1,500 miles tall. We're never going to be bored, ever, ever. We're never going to be tired. We're never going to be sick. We're never going to stand at a wedding like happened yesterday. It's only happened twice that I've seen in my life. And all of a sudden, everybody gasped as I'm getting near the end of the service. Everybody gasped because the gal on the end locked her legs and decided to pass out. <laughs> she went over like, bam! <laughs> oh boy, that's a little distracting. <laughs> Had to attend to her. Okay, we took a break. She ended up being, calling 911, going to the hospital. She was fine. 
She didn't eat and she didn't drink all morning. She was dehydrated. So if you're ever in that position, young people, older people, two things, eat, drink, don't lock your legs. Don't lock your legs. I used to shoot weddings. Don't lock your legs. Stay loose, stay limber. That will never happen in heaven, praise God. Won't hit our heads. We won't have little boo-boos like my little grandson. He's got boo-boos up and down his body right now. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Well, I, I don't I don't know what to praise him for. How many of you are going to go out in the parking lot and get in a car? Raise your hand. Anybody in here going to go out and get in a car? Ah, right there. You got something to praise him for. You might want to praise him for the bill you got, but you're driving it, right? How many of you are going to go home? Some type of home. Anybody going to go home today? To some? Anybody going to go home? Wow. Is anybody? Does anybody have a refrigerator in their house where you put food? Does anybody have a refrigerator in their house? Okay. Does anybody have one urinal, toilet in their house? Does anybody have one toilet in their house? Let's see. Let's see. How many of you have two toilets in your house? Anybody have two toilets in your house? How many of you have three toilets in your house? How many of you have four toilets in your house? We actually do. That's the craziest thing. It's a modular home and they, every bedroom has a full bath in it and we have a guest toilet. It's crazy. We're not millionaires. It was an inexpensive house. But God designed it for us. Praise God. Because we use toilets a lot. Toilets. Amazing, isn't it? Toilets. Ah, I'm not blessed. How many of you eat snacks at night? Anybody eat snacks at night? Come on, you liars. How many of you eat snacks? Love snacks, man. Wake up during the night? Hmm. <laughs> Let's go get something to eat. That'll make me feel better. I don't know. I'm not really blessed. Just keep going down the list, guys. We are blessed. We are blessed. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tremble and dance. We don't do that much around here. (laughs) And I'm glad, personally. (laughs) Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. And why don't we do that? You might ask yourself, why don't we do that? Um, We kind of find it distracting. And so when we do praise and when we do worship, we don't want to distract others from praise and worship. So we kind of have an unwritten rule and agreement in our midst here is, you know, raise your hands, uh, stand. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. But be mature enough to do it so that you're not distracting. Because obviously if you're distracting somebody else, then you're distracting somebody else from their worship to God. Dancing, flag-waving, all this kind of stuff, that's kind of distracting. We don't want to distract people from worshiping God. But it's okay to stand. It's okay to lift your hands. It's okay to kneel. Just don't do it in a way that's drawing attention to you. You're just worshiping God. You do it subtly. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Who's playing the the drums today? Is that Caleb? Dante. Dante. All right, last song, Dante. You really smacked those babies. Because it says, what does it say? Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Bang those babies. 
You see, the psalmist lists some instruments, not all, some instruments. It's an impressive list. And then here, let's read this together out of the New King James. You might go, I don't have the New King James. I'll say it. You guys can memorize it because it's really, really easy. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And the last part is praise the Lord. Okay, so let's say that together as we wrap up 150 songs. So I know every one of you in this room, you have your favorite song or your favorite hymn. And sometimes you don't like when new songs are put up here. Get over yourself. 150 songs glorifying God. And there's going to be new ones coming. Because the Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts. So again, I'll say it again. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But let's all say it together nice and slow. You ready? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you and praise you for the book of Psalms. For the book of songs. And Father, we thank you that you are still working in the hearts of men and women and children to write new songs, songs of praise, songs of adoration, songs of theology, songs that glorify you, Father, and glorify your Son, and also glorify the Holy Spirit. The triunity of the Godhead. We can't comprehend it, but you are God. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for giving us the time and the energy and the desire to be here We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ and other fellowships and other churches that are gathering this morning, studying your word and worshiping you, praising you. Bless them, Lord. Encourage them, strengthen them. Father, we pray for salvation. We pray for the unbeliever that might even be amongst us right now. Right now, as believers, we intercede on their behalf. And so as the saints are praying, maybe you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You know you're a sinner. But you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And right now there are people sitting around you that love you more than you will ever understand. Because they love you via the love of Jesus Christ. Which no one knows unless they are a believer. They love you so much that they're praying right now for your soul that you would surrender your free will. You have a free will. They're praying that you would surrender your free will to the will of the Heavenly Father because the Heavenly Father desires you to become His son, to become His daughter. But it's your choice. So if right now you would like to choose to receive Jesus as your Savior, just pray this simple prayer. It's not about the prayer. It's about your heart. Pray this simple prayer. God will hear it, and God will accept you as His son, as His daughter. Pray this prayer. God, I get it. I understand. I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I invite Jesus 
into my life right now. God, I invite your Holy Spirit into my life right now. I don't understand exactly what that means. But I trust you're going to show me. I trust you, God. And so I say thank you that I can now call you Father. And I say, Father, thank you for accepting me just the way I am. And that you, via the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, will clean me up and make me just like Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, as we go out into our mission fields, help us to remember that people are watching. Help us to remember that people are listening to what we're listening to. They're watching us if we laugh at jokes that we shouldn't be laughing at, if we participate in things that we shouldn't participate in and It's kind of crazy. Even the unbeliever knows we shouldn't be participating in it. So give us wisdom, Lord, that we'd walk that narrow path and that we'd be that example for those unbelievers that they need. They need Jesus, just like we did. And somebody was an example for us. Help us this week to be that example for your glory, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. So if you want to read ahead, Acts will cover, I don't know how many verses, but you can start reading the book of Acts if you'd like to. Men, bring your sons, grandsons, nephews. Tuesday night, 6 to 7 is dinner. Go ahead and read First John. We'll cover the first three verses in First John. God bless you guys. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Man, let's sing that. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that, everything that, everything that has breath. Praise the Lord, everything that, everything that, everything that has breath. Praise the Lord, everything that, everything that, everything that has breath. Praise the Lord, everything that, everything that, everything that has breath. I will worship. I will worship, I will worship, I will worship you with every breath. I will worship, I will worship, I will worship you with every breath, everything.